Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. Welcome to The Dirt Show. I'm Higher Peaks. And I'm Lady Sativa. And we made it to episode two. Whoop, whoop, we're yeah. here. <laughs> that was a long journey so far. It's been quite the challenge getting this far. We're working on it. Yeah, so, but everything's getting ironed out and I think we're getting the format down too. Uh, so, just talk about kind of what's going on around here. It's been hotter than hell around here. Today has been a lot nicer compared to the past couple days, but... Yeah, the weekend. It has been pretty hot. The weekend was really hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, barely could stand that one. Had to either stay inside or hit the river. But let me tell you, we had to suffer to water some plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't do too much with the plants, but we'll go over that. Uh, but yeah, it's just been so hot. I'm glad it's cooling down. But when it's a hundred and it's ninety-five the next day, it doesn't seem like it cooled down. How are so. we gonna make it in August? <laughs> Hopefully, some point it cools down with a nice rain and thunderstorm. Uh, so, uh, before we started the show, uh, we've been uh, we went to Talent Health Club this week, uh, THC. Of course, that's in Talent, Oregon, and we fought, uh, saw our favorite bud tender, Casey. I want to say a shout out to Casey. He's uh, one of our favorite bud tenders, uh, especially out there. He knows what he's talking about. So, if you guys are ever out there, say hi to him and and talk to him. He knows what he's talking about. Um, but we tried that white label. Uh, extract is what we found there this time. We hadn't really tried this before. The uh, white brand. label, I Had don't, we? I don't think we have. To be honest with you, I don't, I don't believe we have. Yeah. So we saw it, and it's, it was a little bit more expensive. It was a forty dollar gram. Um, so it's just a slightly higher than, than I guess average. I would say. I think. Punch card price, though. We yeah. did not pay that. Yeah, so we had a punch card, which THC does. I know they're changing that up a little bit right now, but we had an old punch card that was full, and Casey was nice enough to uh, change that in for us, and we got a $40 gram for 15 25 For 25 bucks. Because it was 15 off. That's right, 20, yes. 25 That was nice. Yeah, it was. So that allowed us to get that. 
<clears throat> at White Label, actually. We don't need to discuss how much it cost us to get to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, to get to the discount, you mean? Exactly. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, but that's the good thing was is this is an OG Kush, and OG is one of my personal favorites. It's got a real earthy taste, and it's usually potent. and Great smell. Yeah, always. And it, uh, good, good for anxiety and sleeping for me. This is a Nug Run, too, which I imagine adds to that price. But uh, it was tested by Spartan Analytics. I'm assuming that's up north somewhere. And the total, or actually the THC in it was 82%. Tasty. Oh, yeah. 82% <laughs> is pretty potent. Uh, and then 2.42% CBD. So I liked it, and it was flavorful. It was all it was cracked up to be, and it looked really, really nice. It did. It yeah. was very it was very pretty. So, And we'll post the pictures, the couple that we took of it, before we jumped on it and consumed it. Um, I know there's none left. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. So we appreciate that white label. Good job. Really high quality and way worth the 40 bucks. I would say that's probably one of the best ones we've tried at that price point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> with that said, uh, I think that you have something you want to share what's going around the state as far as events. I know there's a couple things this summer. Um, I believe you've got this one first that's okay. coming up before mine. Okay, so okay, right. This is the Emqua Valley Hemp Fest. That's June 18th. Um, that's coming up quicker than I thought. Yep. Yeah, and this says it's got three music stages, a dome stage, a hemposium, over 75 vendors, info booths, and food vendors, camping, guest speakers, and vendor giveaways. So I guess there is camping there. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Probably pretty safe place to get high all day and sounds like a lot be of fun. Safe. Yeah, and I, I'd like to go. I don't know if we're gonna be to this one, but we'd sure like to see you there. Um, Where is that? This is in Oakland, Oregon. So I haven't been there uh, either. Uh, have you been to Oakland? I'm not even really sure where Oakland is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's in Oregon. Well, I know Oakland, California. But and you I'm were not born where? Medford, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> so I get me. out a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this one is uh, the overnight event. Like I said, camping pass is 20 bucks. That's not too bad. And if you want any more details, you can check that out at www.umquahempfest.com. We'll put that link in, sure, in the yeah, show notes. We'll add that into the show notes so you can conveniently s- just click on that and take a peek at the details. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I really wish we could make it. it. It does seem like an event. I believe this is the one that happened last year also um, around the same time. And it, I heard that a lot of people got to go to it and enjoyed themselves. Yeah, good. Yeah. I so I don't remember if it was called the Hemp Fest then. But I see. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to think for a second there and if I had remembered it. But um, but yeah, we're definitely going to try. So if any of our listeners go there, they can definitely comment. I'm sure the website will be open by then. Yeah, so. please let us know Yeah. what you think of it. Yeah. So what's and going on there? The next one I got is the Indo Expo. It says, where green is the new gold. It's up in Portland. Um, the Premium Cannabis b2b trade show it's august 6th and 7th um it's got 200 exhibitors cultivation new technologies industry services industrial hemp education lifestyle lifestyle smoke seminars workshops demonstration indoor outdoor and greenhouse 
complimentary admissions for buyers and industry professionals. Um, it just, it sounds like it's got a lot of opportunities for vendors and sponsorship sponsorships, it says. So it's sounds like it's got a lot of information if you are uh, looking for anything that has to do with growing marijuana yep and it says the indo expo indo expo I thought this was supposed to be indo it smells <laughs> more like outdo it's indoexpo.com if you want any more information and we'll also have that in the show notes and we we'll are that link there. definitely going to make it to this one on saturday yeah that's a big one so yes and it, that'll uh, be fun yeah saturday is industry only sunday is industry public and career fair so Obviously, there's a lot of information that they have there, especially 200 exhibitors. Yeah. 200 plus exhibitors. Yeah, that's huge. That'll probably take a couple of days to go through. Right? Yeah. It sounds like it's pretty interesting. So, uh, anything else that you got with the no, events? No. Nothing else for the events. Okay. Uh, well, let's just go right into our, well, it's the official Oregon Canon News segment now. Um Let's see what you got there. I know you got something interesting this time. Yes, I do. It says, <clears throat> pardon me, The Future of Oregon's Weed Industry by Vince Slawoski. When the Mercury put out its last weed issue, the High Life feature, April 15, 2015, exactly one year ago, recreational marijuana was not yet legal in Oregon. Measure 91 had passed and everyone was anxiously waiting July, when adults 21 and older could legally possess weed for personal use. At the time, we knew that the legislature would enact laws to implement Measure 91 in the summer and that the Oregon Liquor Control Commission would be running the administrative show. Really, that was all we knew. Measure 91, like most initiatives, was voted for by many people, but actually read by very few. While the initiative was quite specific in how it articulated the recreational program, subsequent legislature, legislation brought some big surprises. Some of these were unfortunate, like the ability of cities and counties to opt out of the recreational marijuana altogether, and nearly as controversial, the short-lived residency requirement for owners of pop businesses. Other surprises were welcome, like early sales to recreational customers through existing medical dispensaries. No doubt many Oregonians will always remember where they were on October 1st, 2015. Yeah, the recreational people I'm sure definitely remember. We were fortunate enough that we've been medical for a little bit of time. So, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's that was a good time for everybody, I think. I think we were more jumping on the four for 40 deal that they started that day. We're like, hey, that's a pretty good deal. Let's well, go, yeah, let's figure that one out. <laughs> that was one thing that Oregon was really good about is when it first went legal, they were not taxing. No, and then they were also being very, not not generous, but they were they were showing that side of the, you know, the marijuana industry that it is. We're trying to show you that it's something we're, we're proud of. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and so from October, I believe, until it was January, there was no taxes, and it was great. Four for 40, you get four grams of pretty much, you know, well, whatever variety they had, but you know, I'm talking I'm talking at least 30 plus They would also options. tell you that they would lower the price of some to make it no matter what. It, it didn't well, yeah. matter how much each individual one was. Right, right. So you could, it, you could mix four grams and one might be 13 one might be 10 one might be 12 mm -hmm. you know if it, it didn't one matter. might be nine 
but yeah so it was just basically four for 40 and that was awesome i mean for getting a variety and anything you want and it was like i felt like a kid in a candy store yes and actually i did see the prices now it's a four for 50 for recreational Instead of the four for forty for medical, it's four for forty for rec, it's four for fifty. Well, yeah, everything is so changed that ten dollar tax, and mm. they may have. I I think they may have an additional tax, but I'm not positive if they showed the actual tax price in that listing. I believe they show the tax for the state, which is twenty five or twenty six percent. But then there's always there could be a city. I think Phoenix passed a three percent. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is I don't yeah. think that was the actual no. ending price because that wasn't Phoenix that that was listed. <laughs> It's like buying a dollar hamburger in Washington. It's not a dollar. <laughs> a dollar plus 8%. All right. It is hard to see around corners, although people often ask their lobbyists, legislators, and and lawyers to do exactly that. So here is a forecast of how Oregon's programs will ultimately look in the big in the very big picture. The state will continue to push the medical and recreational programs together. This is already happening piecemeal. It started with the legislature tinkered with the medical program last summer and continued most recently with last month's Senate Bill 1511, which also which al- allows recreational licensees to serve the medical market. The reason a full merger has not already happened is probably only political. Inevitably, it will happen. If you've spent much time around Oregon's pot industry, you know that many people are extraordinarily protective of Oregon's medical marijuana programs for good reason. The rights of growers and patients were hard won, and people acclimate. I get stuck on this word. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, acclimatized. There we go. Into the warm gray market. Stepping back through its axiomatic, the medical marijuana never would have existed as a program if weed had been legal from the start. Yeah, and that and that's the thing. That's you see it coming together because. Of that right there. Right. Uh, because weed wasn't legal from the start. That's the only reason why we have medical. Well, yeah. and Right. It was like a stepping stone. Yes. But that stepping stone was a nice stone. And mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of medical people are going to want to get away from that system. Mm-hmm. They like I don't, their stone. I don't blame them. Beings that were medical and you see the advantages of medical. Do you really want that to change? No. No. And it's uh, nothing against rec, but that's the way the rec seems to pull us is that now it's just, they see the money. Basically, I see rec as federal fingers involved. Starting. Yes. It's like the pre. They they are starting to get a grip on us with our rec. Medical, we feel like we still have a little bit of control. Maybe that's what it is. Sure. Well, control over some taxes. Yes, and it's the real... It's the real what we started. That's how it was. It right. was what we started. Exactly. But the rec is now mm-hmm. federal. Mm-hmm. That's basically what rec is. Is It's basically legal alcohol compared to prohibition alcohol. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Um, it is hard to see around corners. I already read that one. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, If you spent much time around Oregon's pot industry, you know that many people are extraordinarily protective. Uh, I already read that one, too. I apologize. See, you interrupted me in the middle of a paragraph. (laughs) Today, weed is legal in Oregon, yet two different state agencies govern one plant. That seems kind of strange. 
which it does. Yeah. Assuming the programs merge, there is going to be a lot of triage, consolidation, litigation, guesswork, and general ups and downs. Sometimes when the rules are changing so quickly that even lawyers have a hard time keeping up. It's tempting to throw up your hands in total exasperation. As surprising as it may sound, though, Oregon's marijuana programs are shaping up to be the best in the country. And this is good to hear because we're, you know, Colorado was legal first and they like to even brag still about how, you know, well things went. And it's good. Things have gotten better. DUIs are down. Crime is down. uh, Revenue for the state's up. All that stuff. Yeah. So it's good. But it's good to see that we're um, not only did we wait to kind of iron things out, but uh, now that we're doing it, we're doing it as leaders. Gotta love it. So, if you don't mind me taking over for a second, I had a, a article I wanted to share, and I won't talk too much on it. It's I just wanted to let people know that you know now that recreational is kind of taken over in terms of laws, and the access is getting to people that may or may not have had any experience with it in the past. Police are starting to crack down a little bit more on you know drivers and stuff like that and so let me just read this article it kind of sums it up this is from the statesman journal Uh, this is june 3rd of 2016 it says with edibles now for sale the salem police step up dui patrols so police want salem residents planning to snack on pot brownies or cannabis infused chocolates yummy to think twice before getting behind the wheel and are stepping up patrols just as marijuana edibles became legal to buy in Oregon. Salem Police Department started adding extra DUI patrols Thursday and will continue until Sunday. The time period was chosen specifically to coincide with the legalization of marijuana edibles and concentrates. Now, I I know that this was already on the weekend, but I'm reading this article because they're going to not, this isn't going to be the only time they do it as far as these saturation patrols, if you will, maybe that's not the right word, but it's kind of what they do. Yeah. So this will happen again. And you know, I think they're just going to group this like it'll say later with alcohol and everything else. Mm -hmm. So of course the overtime patrol shifts, which are funded by Oregon impact were added to focus on the issue of driving under the influence of alcohol, marijuana, prescription drugs, and other intoxicants. Okada said the high concentration of THC and edibles can make them more dangerous. Now, my only gripe about this, real quick step on the soapbox, is we know that for rec, it's only 10 to 15 milligrams. Mm-hmm. I'm, sorry, mis- yeah, I'm sorry, Mr. Okada, but that's not a high concentration of THC. Um, yeah. It says, uh, this is true. People often don't recognize the fact that they're affected by marijuana. That's the only thing. So if you get 10 or 15 milligrams, you take it. You don't wait a couple hours. You eat another one and another one because you went to a couple different dispensaries. You could find yourself maybe in a weird situation. But 10 to 15 milligrams is nothing to write home to mom. No, you're going to probably waste more gas and time driving. To collect all of it. To get the the five (laughs) pieces that you need to even feel it. Yeah. You're better off um, getting the one gram of concentrate, which we said before, or simply growing your own, which is what we're trying to really push. Push as organ rooted. We want to help home growers 
and people the four to six plants take care of yourself exactly and and your spouse (laughs) yeah your partner and (coughs) you can do that fairly inexpensively and then make your own edibles you don't you know make them make them at the concentration that you want to make them at (laughs) if you're medical if you're medical yeah you know it's whatever you know just it's it's an option yes you know I'm not saying I do it. I'm just saying you could do it. If that's a legal option, because I think that they may have their fingers grasped on that too. I don't know. They have have their fingers in there for quite a bit. I think you can only purchase when it comes to edibles right now. Hey, like I said. Just saying, that's what I heard at Women Grow, so I'm just passing (laughs) on the word. It was my brother Timmy that made the, the edibles. Timmy, you know Timmy. You have a brother? Yes, Timmy. Okay, so it says, if officers have a reasonable suspicion that a driver is impaired, they will have the driver perform a field sobriety test. The test, which assesses the driver's balance, coordination, and reaction time, can help the officer evaluate a person's impairment. We know this from alcohol. That's nothing new. Breath alcohol testers can help officers quickly determine whether a driver has been drinking, but marijuana intoxication is tougher to sort out. After a person fails the field sobriety Uh, a drug recognition expert can be called in to identify a driver's impairment level. And this is where Oregon, this is what Oregon does. They have these drug recognition experts. They're trained to recognize you being high on something. You know, it'd be interesting to find, it'd be really interesting to interview one of those guys and see what the heck they look for. That might be a challenge I'm up for. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck on that. <laughs> let, me, let us know how that goes. It would probably be over the phone. He probably wouldn't want to get high. She, he or she wouldn't want to get high. I 100% yeah. doubt that. Probably not. <laughs> um, so what I do know about this is that Washington is way worse. They're, they'll just, like Colorado, I think is 0.05 nanograms. I mean, and that could be in your system for a month. You could have smoked a month ago and had 0.50 nanograms in your system. So... We're lucky in the fact that we do have, we at least have the ability to, you know, I don't know. It's not like they take your blood and and there's some magic uh, marijuana level that they can bust you for yet. But consume responsibly. Just like they say, drink responsibly, consume responsibly. And that's the thing. Here's the deal. When it comes to this, and this is why I brought it up, is just for our listeners or anybody out there in Oregon that does these edibles, just don't drive and, you know, don't drive. You don't know when it's going to hit you. And if, you know, just don't drive. Uber, right? Yep. (laughs) And now, now, just don't wait the drivers, don't let the drivers wait because it's like a $2 fee now. Yeah, that, yeah, I heard that this morning, actually, <laughs> yeah. I think, on uh, Live with Kelly. <laughs> God, don't wait. Don't let them wait. So I'll wrap this up. It says, under the current early sales program, one dose of cannabis-infused edible can have no more than 15 milligrams of THC. That's what I was saying. Consumers can buy up to one gram of oil, which is your better option, or cannabis extract with no more than 1,000 milligrams of THC per cartridge. The cartridges are expensive. Mm-hmm. Buy yourself a pen, a good pen, and then buy yourself whatever gram you want. It's the best mm-hmm. way to do it. Don't fall for the 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 right. the, 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 um, the cartridges. The if you need to be straight stealth, the cartridges are great. 
So mm-hmm. if you're you know out in public, they look just like a little e-cigarette type, like literally look like a cigarette, mm-hmm. you know, like the, and and they have those for nicotine. So it's really it really is uh, quiet, but that's it. They they do go quick. So yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so I think you have one left, don't you? No, I have two left. Okay, let's yeah. do it. All right. Teenage marijuana use continues to drop as states continue to legalize by Chuck Ludley. According to brand new study, to a brand new study, teenage marijuana use in the U.S. is dropping, and it's not just the total number of teens who consume cannabis that's falling. The report also found that adolescents in the U.S. are having fewer marijuana-related behavioral problems as well. Researchers in Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis have recently published their report in the journal Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. The study looked at data from the National Survey on Organ Use and Health during the years 2002 to 2013. More than 216,000 adolescents between the ages of 12 and 17 responded to the survey during those years. After looking at the numbers, the researchers discovered a couple key trends. In 2002, a little over 16% of teenage marijuana use. In 2013, that number dropped to below 14%. Similarly, the number of adolescents who had cannabis use disorders dropped from around 4% down to 3%. Between 2002 and 2013, the number of teens who said they had serious behavioral problems such as getting into fights, shoplifting, bringing weapons to school, or selling drugs also fell. Researchers working on the study said that these numbers could point to a number of conclusions. Let me just stop you real quick. We looked up what a cannabis use disorder is, and basically, essentially, they describe it just like can't, just like an addiction. And the thing about that is it's almost like they're trying to label it as an addiction but they can't so they have to use the word disorder Mm -hmm. let me just read a little excerpt um, of that it says this is from the internetmentalhealth.com it says cannabis use disorder a problematic pattern of cannabis use leading to clinically significant impairment or distress typically includes a strong desire to take the drug difficulties in controlling its use persisting in its use despite harmful consequences a higher priority given to drug use than to other activities and obligations, increased tolerance, and sometimes a physical withdrawal state. Now, I, again, this sounds like addiction to me. Is that like an eating disorder? Right? I, a I don't know. marijuana disorder? So I'm really, I guess, <laughs> I guess they, they label these things like this to, to, I don't know. I'll say two things about it. One, first of all, it said increased tolerance. Okay, first of all, cannabis is self-regulating. This is one of the beauties about cannabis is that I, unlike heroin or alcohol, if I sit down and drink alcohol, I will get drunker and drunker and drunker until I'm dead. And sicker and sicker and sicker. Right. (laughs) Now, if I sit down and smoke cannabis or eat whatever, I'm going to get higher and higher to a certain point. And then it's going to level off and that's it. And then you're going to be like, what happened to my high? Yeah. Well, you're just, you're going to get burnt out, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're going to go like to sleep. <laughs> it's, 
it's self-regulating and, and if you smoke all day long by the time you get to the evening you won't be getting high you won't care to smoke you will only be wasting your weed and this is not <laughs> how heroin or meth or uh, alcohol is which is why so, people chase it so this whole building a tolerance yes you build a little bit of a tolerance but that it, it goes so quick you know you build that tolerance so fast that if you don't regulate yourself meaning take breaks you know smoke in the morning then take your four-hour break you know medicate four hours later like you would with another medicine you right. know take right. every four hours and that you know so this is the beauty of it and uh i just yeah and then the physical withdrawal i think it's all in your head i do yes. agree that cannabis can be psychological I, you know why because i love to feel high mm-hmm there's my psychological addiction. It yes. makes me feel good. It's all I my like head. it. I like it. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I come from. I've come from a place where I quit drinking and had alcohol withdrawals, and it's nothing like anything like weed. There's no physical withdrawal from weed. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said. It's all in your head. Yeah. So. All right. Um, we were surprised to see substantial declines in marijuana use and abuse, said the lead researcher, Dr. Richard A. Gruska. We don't know how legalization is affecting young marijuana users, but it could be that many kids have behavioral problems, are more likely to get treatment earlier in childhood, making them less likely to turn to pot during adolescence. But whatever is happening with these behavioral issues, it seems to be outweighing any effects of marijuana decriminalization. The trends identified by the new study are in line with previous findings. The 2015 monitoring, the future surveys, found that while more adults are using cannabis, the number of teens who consume weed has dropped since 2010. For many advocates of cannabis legalization, these studies are good news. Many see the types of stats as evidence that legalization does not have a negative effect on young people. This most recent study isn't the first time Gruska has been involved with cannabis research. Back in February, he published another study that refuted the claim that there is a rising number of people with marijuana use disorders. In fact, his study found that the ratio of teenage marijuana use disorders have actually been declining in recent years. And so let me sum that up. Basically, here's my feeling. Now that it's legal and all these young kids are seeing us old adults, their old ass parents smoking it, it there is no more mystery. And they don't want to do that shit we're doing. No. They're going to find something else that's cutting like, edge. They you know, need they that don't, stuff for pain. Yeah. They, they use that for arthritis. Look what we've done to them. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just, you know, I'm not surprised. And there you go. Um, now, before you start the next one, I think I know what you're, you're going to start. Just so you know, it kind of sounds like they're talking about dads here, but I really think it's more important that this is a parent issue. Yes, I yeah. believe it. I believe it is. So too. this is not a, a female, male. It's not a dad. It's not a mom thing. Um, I think it's because it. Um, it's a man that interviewed a woman correct. about it. Yeah. is what it is. That's yeah, exactly. She, that's what she saw. Yeah, and I, I think it's about a book she wrote. Right, and that's why I just wanted to make sure before we started that people understand the listeners that. This is a parent issue. I think it's something that needs to be talked about so that we can decide on how this needs to be. Yes. Say it. All right. Um, an article from Civilized.life by Mark Ledger. These dads like a little like a little marijuana more than a glass of wine. Yes, we do. <laughs> what would you think if your neighbor, a stay-at-home dad, lit up a joint every morning while his young child played in the backyard? 
Would you judge him negatively? Globe and Mail columnist Leah McLaren did. In the case of her own neighbor who did this until she got to know him a little better. In a recent column, McLaren uses Joe, quote unquote, as a narrative hook for a piece about what she thinks might be be a growing trend in her social circles. Dads who use cannabis to help them cope with the stresses of child rearing or because it makes them more creative and playful with their kids. At first, she portrayed him as a typical, quote unquote, stoner, someone who is in his dungarees, goatee and trucker cap, looks like something out of a Cheech and Chong movie. After she watched him around his child for a while, she realized he was a responsible, caring parent, even though he smokes marijuana around his daughter. And see, here we go with the, we've got these deep, deep deep-rooted prejudices against things that are just, have been put into us. It's all propaganda. It's all untrue. So when this lady's seeing this guy... All these thoughts she's getting is all from stuff that she's been taught before she was ever even able to make a decision. Exactly. So it's unfortunate, but. <laughs> um, it says McLaren then goes on to write about how she started seeing more dads like Joe on, in her social spheres. Since meeting Joe, I've spotted stoner dads everywhere, she wrote. The guy on paternity leave, loping down the street, pushing a buggy with one hand and smoking a dube with the other. Two dudes on the park bench overseeing an afternoon play date and passing a pinner. A group of fathers at a Sunday afternoon backyard barbecue sharing a joint on a picnic table before dispersing to change diapers or jump on the trampoline with their kids while their wives drink wine and chat over the grill. And this is the one thing. This is the one thing. I won't step up on my box too high, but we, as parents, I've, I've had alcohol around kids and I've consumed around kids i've also done a lot of not consuming alcohol around kids on purpose so there's there's both sides of that fence but let's not even tackle that let's just decide whether why is alcohol okay and and marijuana isn't exactly i'm not saying do it in front of your kids but you can't step in the garage you can't go to the washroom you can't go to your dad's man cave but honestly what's the difference right there, As of I, right now, there there is none. There, there, there is none. Yes, besides it, the fact that we're just jumping into being legal and alcohol has been legal for years, you know, decades, yeah. whatever. Yeah, but we see how much violence comes from alcohol. Yes. And we're okay drinking with children around. And how much around. death has come yeah. from alcohol yeah. also. And so we're still okay with doing it at a barbecue with kids there. And we've then seen how less violent marijuana is and how less uh would you say you know car accidents duis mm-hmm. crime all that is less too and it's not okay there's just this is this is critical thinking here it's not something that's hard to see if you just i doubt you would go to a cannabis bar and find a fight i bet you could go to a bar and find at least 20 exactly at which, least which, maybe even yeah. a whole uprisal you, you never can tell i i which have is, seen it all. <laughs> yeah. So how can you say it's okay to drink alcohol in front of children? Exactly. When it has the potential of causing some sort of violence in the area. Bet you the uh, Umpqua Valley Hemp Fest isn't going to have any fighting happening. Well, I think we should find out. I think, you know, <laughs> when we're there, if we go to, I'll tell you what, when we go to these events that we do go to, we will need to talk to the security guards and find out what it is like. Right. You right. know, and we Just will. Just to find and we'll out. we'll back. Yeah, give you guys honest answers, right. not from us and just our opinion. We'll give you what we find out. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Fathers and mothers use cannabis to relax. 
She does say that she knows moms who smoke up a lot themselves. Sometimes uh, something that has been noted in other feature articles on the subject of parents and their cannabis use, a highly shared guardian article from 2014 included testimonials from many British and North American parents who smoked, who smoked marijuana, men and women alike. I usually smoke after they've gone to bed, said Buddy from Los Angeles. Weed is my private time in the last few hours of the day. I wouldn't smoke it in front of my kids at this point. I'm not sure it would instill confidence and consistency in them, and that's my job being a parent. The Guardian, the Guardian article doesn't distinguish between men and women. McLaren does, does saying she sees women being more discreet about their pot smoking. She also said mothers still seem to prefer drinking as a form of relaxation. I, I don't agree with that. The men McLaren talked to and observed also seem more comfortable doing it responsibly, mind you, in the presence of the children. Why is it okay for moms to joke about wine o'clock, says Matt Austin from Toronto, but we can't talk about taking the edge off with pot. Exactly. And see, the only thing I had with this article is it does sound like there's a little bit of this, well, they seem to prefer this and they seem to prefer that. Well, you know, okay bottom line is just who who prefers alcohol and who prefers marijuana right and honestly just like we said we will <laughs> honest opinions um and um just like we would find out from security guards <laughs> about certain things like fights or anything like that at um at the umqua like the umqua valley yeah just like that yeah yeah that's somebody's opinion i i don't know if i completely agree i think the times have changed a, a little bit since since maybe that yeah. was well like i said i, I think true yeah it's just people that prefer drinking versus people that don't they prefer to do the cannabis there was one uh little sentence up here that i noticed that was kind of key and um it was basically it says sharing a joint on a picnic or a picnic blanket before dispersing to change diapers or jump on the trampoline. <laughs> I mean, basically what you're, you're making yourself a better parent. Yeah. And, uh, it's, if you can focus better and you can interact with your kids better and you can enjoy the mundaneness of some of the simpler tasks that kids want to do by being high, you can get high without being with your kids and then go be with them and be a better parent. Right. But that doesn't mean that you have to use marijuana to be a better parent. That's that's no. definitely not what we're trying to say. No, everybody. all I'm saying is it can make you yes, a better parent. Yes, it can. If you because are, if you come home and you're stressed and you yell at your kids and you want to kick the dog, that's not being a good parent. You shouldn't be picking up a beer at that point. <laughs> well, right, right. But you could take a 10-minute break, go out to the garage. Relax a little take a couple hits don't even get high just take a couple hits calm down come in and everything's fine i gotta tell you after a long hard stressful day it only takes one hit to help to calm me down well yeah and that's um that's it i'm not saying necessarily get high even yeah if you're a regular smoker like say every day not all day but every day uh you can take a hit or two and it will. It'll just mellow you out. It's not even like drinking a glass of wine. It's like drinking a half a glass of wine. It's or like taking, taking a, a cup, sip. A couple drinks of it <laughs> and then relaxing. Um, it's just, I don't know. So I'll, I'll step off the soapbox on that. I it's think like It's like the way snooty people do it, where they spin it, they smell it, sip it, set it down because they don't like it. That's well, like. <laughs> I'll tell you, that's what I wanted to do with this white label. I wanted to sniff it, smell it, 
the, the, look at it. Lick it a little. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Uh, so was that it for news? Yeah, no? that's all good? I got. Excellent. Okay, so we're cruising right along. This is good. Um, the next segment is one of my favorites. This is what's growing in the organ rooted garden. We haven't really officially. We've started this segment, but we really haven't. Uh, yeah, we haven't given any major details, so let's just talk about that real quick. We've got four going right now just because we don't need it for anything but me and my close uh, peoples, um, and we like to keep it that way. So we grow for organ rooted. That's it, just this little, uh, just us. and Our little aria. Yeah, and so we've got LSD, the lemon, lemon sour, sour diesel. diesel. And Master Kush got a GSC, a Girl Scout cookie, and of course a Blue Dream. Now, you either like Blue Dream or you don't. Uh, I think having this one in the four was good just because it's a big producer and it's resistant to disease and stuff like that. So, I mean, it'll I be enjoy a, Blue Dream. Yeah, and if anything, I'll just turn it in. <clears throat> well, my, my brother Timmy will turn it into concentrates for me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so. Uh, but you know, Girl Scout cookie, uh, this is what, uh, Leafly says about Girl Scout. It's, uh, is an OG Kush and Durban poison. I think that's good. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I love the OG Kush. It's a cross with Durban poison. It says it was, uh, came out of California. It has a sweet and earthy aroma and Girl Scout cookies launches you to euphoria's top floor where full body relaxation meets a time bending cerebral space. <laughs> uh, there's some phenotypes, thin mint and platinum cookies. I've heard, I've heard platinum cookies is good. I don't know if I've ever actually seen any platinum cookies. Now, do you know what phenotype is? I don't know if our listeners, all of them would know, so I thought I'd throw that out there. I honestly don't. When you grow plants, uh, they, when you grow, say, OG Kush, well, you're, you're growing something from Mother Nature, which is going to naturally have differing, differing very, varying genes, so not every plant is going to come out exactly the same because... It's evolving, right? Exactly. Yeah. So to evolve, the genes have to just be a little bit different, you know, uh, to to maybe, you know, that change in gene structure will allow it to be a better plant. Right. Okay. Right. So those changes are called phenotypes. And so basically you might have, say, OG Kush. I, this, I'm not saying OG specifically, but I'm just using an example. OG Kush might have 10 phenotypes. So there's ten different strains, basically that are that are that are, that are expressed through OG parts right? of. So this OG might be slightly different than at OG because it's a different phenotype. Mm -hmm. um, some plants have less phenotypes. Some plants have more, and sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get. And so, like with that Girl Scout cookies, one of the phenotypes is the platinum cookies. Obviously, that was one of the better phenotypes that they had found expressed out of that particular. Gene. So basically, you're telling me I'm never going to find that green apple again. <laughs> well, <laughs> unless we get a hold of that guy if, in Brookings. Well, <laughs> what you can do is what these people do is they'll grow a phenotype and say they run into it like, oh my gosh, that's the platinum cookies phenotype. I'm going to clone it. So then it you still can clone. changes, you said. 
No, no, no. Okay. Seeds. Okay. If I have an OG Kush, if I have 10 OG Kush seeds and I plant all 10 seeds, all 10 will be different pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Assuming it has okay. 10 different phenotypes. Now, out of those 10, if I find a phenotype I like, then I can clone it and that clone stays the same. Stays, yeah. Okay. That's I got the you. word clone. I got you. Okay. So, um, that's that's it for the Girl Scout. Everybody knows that's uh, a good strain. And um, so we tried that this year. It's a stout, short little plant. Looks like a heavy indica to me. She's and, pretty cute. Yeah. And uh, bushy, leafy, and just, just this tiny little bush. She's, Probably about 16 inches. Everybody has that short friend. Yeah, she's the short with the attitude. friend. Yeah, she's like the four foot eight friend that can't reach your cupboards. <laughs> yeah, that's that's who the Girl Scout cookie is. That you have to almost give her a boost or a step stool, <laughs> keep it around. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the funny thing is, is the the grower that gave me the uh, um, clone said that this one flowers in forty five days. Okay. I okay sure I that's will be crazy if that's true uh we're coming up on that <laughs> no 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 no, no. <laughs> once it's yeah once it's flowering um officially oh okay uh but I don't I think it's gonna be longer than that but maybe not it's a short little stout plant it, and it's hard little nugs so maybe it's just gonna nug out and do that like you said either way that'll be great because then I'll pull it early and it'll be our starter for the for Christmas right right now, Blue Dream. Blue Dream is a sativa-dominant hybrid originating in California as well. This is all West Coast shit. Uh, it's achieved legendary status uh, on the West Coast. Well, notorious now because some people, it's become too popular. It's just it, one of those things where it's like, blew up, great, and then all of a sudden it's just too popular. You can't get too popular. No. You know, not like that. It's kind of what's happening around Oregon everywhere, though. Yeah, it's like a one-hit wonder, you know. (laughs) Come out with a great song, you love it, and then it's just like, oh, now I've, you know, one song and I've heard them all. (laughs) So it's a cross between a blueberry indico, which is a good uh, good plant, and a sativa haze. I thought they were both good, so, you know, whatever. Um, And then our LSD, that's a lemon sour diesel. That's bred by Barney's Farm. And it has a lineage of Mazar E Sharif and Skunk Number One, so I imagine that bitch is gonna be stinky. That's Ugh. what that smell is. Uh, let's just the say I was watering already? them this morning, and just the the water going near them, I smelled something. I'm all, oh, yeah, yeah. something's fragrant, and I yeah. didn't know which one. I didn't put my nose too close, but it's supposed to be a heavy yielder too. So we'll see. I hope it is. Is that um, the one with the long fingers on the leaves? That was the Blue Dream. It looks, the sativa dominance is hardcore in the Blue Dream. Like those skinny. are really skinny, long fingers. Yeah. Crazy. I've never seen a sativa quite like that before. So it's this phenotype has a strong. We'll have to take, I was going to get my photography started and actually make a pretty cool little shadow box. And I'll yeah. show you guys the difference of uh, right. the girls' leaves. When and yeah, we're going to start, we're going to start posting videos and content of the garden we just uh have been so busy producing the podcast that it's kind of a one one step at a time but we're working on it yeah that's going to be all on our website too and so yeah bear with us um we're scooting along yeah um and then 
the last one is Master Kush. This is going to be one of my favorites. Uh, it's an indica, of course, and it's got big old fat leaves mm-hmm. on it. Uh, Chunky. Yeah, it comes from the Hindu Kush region. Master Kush is bred by the Dutch White Label Seed Company. Pretty good seed company. That's straight out of Amsterdam. They've been around for a while. Uh, it says, during maturation, the plant produces a subtle, earthy citrus smell with a hint of incense, which is often described as a vintage flavor. I agree. I mean, Master Kush is a classic, and I think you'll like the flavor. I don't know if you've ever tried Master Kush. I'm not. I'm I, not positive if I have. I looked not. it up today, and uh, they there's one place locally, Rogue Valley Remedies. Rogue Valley Remedies, I think, has Master Kush. Hmm, okay. Well, um, let's try it. Yeah. So. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. The Master Kush sounds like it's going to be pretty stinky, too. Okay, we'll so see. the Girl Scout cookie and the Lemon Sour Diesel are both hybrids, correct? Yes. Okay, and so those leaves are long, the, longer uh, and a little thicker. Essentially, what, what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It almost looks like all but the Blue Dream look pretty indica dominant. They have very distinct looks to their leaves, though. It's pretty cool, actually. If you, if you yeah. sit there and just check them out, it's... Like checking out the passers-by. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. The Master Kush, the GSC, and the Blue Dream, all three are nitrogen lovers. I'm having a hard time keeping up. So we might have to switch over to some liquid organics. My girl's not picky. My short friend is not picky. No, no. The She's easy to handle. Yeah, she's not too picky about how much stuff she's getting she wants about half the stuff that everybody else gets because she's half the size (laughs) (laughs) yeah so and basically with the grow we're we've delarved we just got to keep up with that keep the bottom 30 percent clear we've been over this this is standard stuff you got to keep that stuff growing at the top and not not let any of that energy go to the bullshit i really enjoy doing that i sit down on the ground with them between my legs and cut well and really it keeps yeah and it keeps away the pests like there's just especially with spider mites and um you know uh things like fungus gnats um aphids uh those caterpillars you just when you clean out that bottom third it it gives them a lot less place to be and that's where the bugs prefer i've noticed is pretty Mm -hmm. much at the bottom of the plants so if you keep that cleared out you know, it's a lot better, even with the tomatoes. Just a lot better. Well, and I do got to say, they look a lot prettier when you get them all trimmed up. That's what I mean. They're very good looking. And they grow better. Yes. You know? And then it puts everything towards the end of the branches. Exactly. And all the little little stuff. Yeah. So with the delarfing, we're just top dressing this week with worm castings. And... Uh, Didn't you say feather meal that we needed to throw in there? Yeah. Well, we're keeping up with the nitrogen. And you know that feather meal is a 12-0-0. Mm-hmm. Potent thing with about feather meal is it takes so damn long to, to break down it's just it's one of those things you almost need to have in your like when you do your transplanting or you do your final transplant is just to have that feather meal mixed in there at that time because it takes so long to break down and just i don't know it's t- but the thing is is it's really long term so you put enough in there and uh it'll it'll um last you the whole the whole season yeah um, the uh, worm castings we got to add. We probably should be doing that once a week, but we've only been doing that every two weeks. And then we're adding biologicals. Um, I'll go over that real quick. 
And then our IPM, of course, this week is Azadiractin. So we've got Spinosad we've used, we've used Neem, and now we're to the Azadiractin, which I've got just a little Mixing bit left. Mixing it up. Don't we have, isn't that the three? So we're on the third dose right now? Yeah. So we'll be switching back to... Spinosad. No, wait, no. Which is third, first one was Neem, so yeah. Neem oil, and then the Spinosad, which yeah. is the Jack's dead bug? Yeah. Okay. I got you. Yeah, and then... Uh, Basically, that leads us to the Horty Talk section, which is all of our grow talk. You know, we're trying to, like I said, promote home growing. So this is just knowledge for the home growers. This may or may not be something that's commercial growers use or, or large scale growers use, but that's not where we're focused here. So what we use are extras, our little secrets. They're not really secrets, but, you know, our extras that we use on top of the organics pretty simple I like to use silica mm -hmm. enzymes a wetting agent and some kind of microbiology now the silica we use GHs that's general hydroponics it's armor SI and it's a 004 because it's well obviously it's, it's made out of potassium silicate so it's the MPK it's it's the potassium part it's got potassium in it so mm-hmm it's already basically its own nutrient, but it is uh, the silica. And what silica does is it's like an insurance. Now, there's some people, there's a lot of claims that it boosts yields and stuff like that. I don't think it does that. It's more of an insurance for your plant. Um, so it's like an insurance policy against bugs and the wind and the heat and the cold. So basically a suit of armor. Yeah. Haha. <laughs> ha. Good one. <laughs> armor SI. Yeah. And it's like a tough skin. Um, like I said, for bugs, it's like uh, taking it from like maybe donut to a piece of like really stale hard jerky. What just... did you What did you say? It was like a, a piece of fruit and then you bite it and it's like a piece of jerky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the bugs are just going to, it's going to taste like shit. It's not going to be easy to chew on and they're just going to go elsewhere. And then things like, think of it this way. It's like, it's like the mortar to your bricks or, I mean, it's like, it's your cell wall structures. So it literally is like the mortar and it's this holding those cells together and it, it increases the strength of those walls. And, um, well, basically, therefore, is more resilient to the heat and cold. And in Southern Oregon, we got a lot of friggin' heat. Mm -hmm. So I use it mostly for insurance. And it does. They grow better. They grow sturdier. The stocks are bigger. You get bigger stocks. You get better nutrient transfer. It's just a good overall insurance. You don't need it to make the dank, but it sure helps you get to the end of that season and the end of the season well. Do the um, simple protecting. Yeah. And then next is the... Uh, the uh, enzymes I use biocozyme that's from grow more growmore.com uh, this might be one of the biggest secrets I have grow more nutrients they offer a lot of unique things that you can't get locally and so I like to pick here and there off stuff off their website that's uh, grow more and I use biocozyme it's a biostimulant now what an enzyme in I'm not going to get too deep into this but what an enzyme is is it essentially increases the synthesis of the chlorophyll 
uh, it stimulates the cells dividing. It, it stimulates growth essentially, and it gives the energy that it takes to to activate that growth. It gives it a lower threshold, mm -hmm. so it's able to grow better quicker with um, at a lower threshold. Um, so bas basically, the chlorophyll that is coming from it allows it to work better. Yes. Yeah, and so essentially they claim bigger yields from plants i've noticed both of the last things they claim they claim bigger yields and i'm not sure that i look to this for bigger yields as much as i am trying to increase the nutrient uptake you can think of it like stomach enzymes where you know it's breaking down that food into uh nutrients that the plants can work with and so when you're working with organics, you have stuff breaking down, and it's bio, it's alive stuff. That's or the organic part. It's alive, and it's mm -hmm. breaking down into nutrients. Well, to break it down, you need something breaking it down. Yes. And enzymes break it down quicker. Instead of just breaking down naturally over a long period of time, you're kind of speeding that up, breaking it down quicker. Getting into that plant quicker. Yep. Yep, and so that's what I use it for. And again, these are things I buy one quart of. It lasts all season. So, you know, unless you're doing 12 plants and you're rotating them every three months, you know, this isn't too expensive. Yeah. Um, and then a wedding agent. I don't know if you know what a wedding agent is. Do you know what a wedding agent is? I do, actually. What you, is it? You taught me this. Mm -hmm. uh, a wedding agent is what you put on the plant to basically so you can water it now and not have to water it at night so it breaks it down so it's not so oily yeah it's yeah it basically a lot of the stuff that you put on your plants tend to be kind of oily based and it also a lot of these things don't get absorbed into the plant quickly or efficiently so a wetting agent allows essentially whatever products you're putting on to cover the full leaf service and be absorbed really quickly yes and the benefit to that is one you don't get supposedly you don't burn your plants now when so i you use can do yeah, it during the day or with your lights on if you're indoor yes. grower and it shouldn't hurt your plants i am not that ballsy but so no matter what you do it at night for the most part or late evening and the thing is is you know when i do use it i've never had a problem but um you know, shoot, it claims that. So there you go. Now, the two that I've used is SM90, which is kind of an old school wedding agent. It's been around for a while. I believe you can actually get it at places like Lowe's and Home Depot. I think I saw it at Lowe's. But SM90 and then Overgrow is my new favorite. Overgrow is by Optic Foliar. Foliar? Optic Foliar.com. <laughs> Again, this is another company. They're fairly new. Uh, they're out of Vancouver, British Columbia, and man, they got some good shit. And again, it's really hard to find the stuff. You almost have to get online and go to like Amazon. Hunt Canadian, and, eh? Yeah, and hunt and pick. Someday I'd like to talk to them and see if we can't, you know, I'm maybe sure put that they would the love website. to. They're so happy all the time up in Canada. Yeah. They don't like Americans, though, especially with DUIs. <laughs> so, um,. Maybe we can pull some strings. We know a Canadian. <laughs> they they uh, they offer a product called Overgrow, which is just friggin' awesome. I I highly recommend this. It's basically a three part thing where you get it's a wetting agent and you get a kind of a an insect control uh, 
which is basically there's a natural fungicide and an organic pyrethrum. Remember when we talked about pyrethrums? Chrysanthemum yes. flowers. It's yes. as nuclear as I get. This, you can get synthetic pyrethrums. This is organic pyrethrums. Uh, so, and it, and it has the fungicide, like I said. So you're getting a wetting agent. You're getting mold uh, fungicide. You're getting uh, pyrethrum for bugs. And uh, it also has small amounts of some minerals and some MPK. And so you're getting some nutrient. Essentially, you're fixing right. a nutrient deficiency too. Right. So you're kind of, it's a full whammy. Full whammy. Love this stuff. So basically, we're thriving our plants. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and overgrow because it's it's got the transport, which is optic foliar's wetting agent. If you don't get the overgrow, you can buy the individual products. Transport is the wetting agent, and it is really good. If you want to spray your plants in the lights, I would do the transport mm-hmm. over the SM90. Uh, Basically, so, SM90 is the if you don't want to wait for your shipment to show up and you don't want to spend that money. Well, then just SM90 is so available. Yes, this, this you said optic, it was anywhere. You yeah, said it was Lowe's. Yeah, or, and this optic foliar is new for the states, but these products are so damn legit. I I really wish I could you know we could work with them, and and so hopefully someday we will. So transport or my preference, the overgrow, uh, spray your plants with that. The cost of this is a little expensive. So if you got a fogger, I'd use a fogger on this because like I said in the previous episode, foggers really, really make your products go a lot longer. Right. You throw it into a two gallon sprayer and man, you're going to use a gallon just spraying your six plants. So, and you won't cover it as well either. The fogger, you get the whole fogging action, and uh, you have been searching for a fogger for months. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to you get one for Christmas. <laughs> no, I think maybe for next season. <laughs> Check. <laughs> so um, now, the couple benefits to the transport or overgrow is you can add your own Azimax or neem or other pyrethrum if you want to increase the the bomb, the the nuclear bomb that you're creating here. Right. Uh, it even claims that it's best sprayed in full sunlight. There you go. Whoo, man. I don't have they ever sprayed in 110 degree Oregon weather. I don't know. <laughs> um, funny. It says best sprayed in full sunlight, but store in a cool, dark place. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I guess they just don't want you to spray it on their hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Defeats and, purpose, I suppose. I don't know. Right, exactly. And so what the overgrow is, is if you take all their products, it's transport, watts, rev, and attack. And you can make your own mix by adding perithrum, azimax, or neem. And really, man, that's something, that's an IPM whammy right there. I'm going to get, I don't have any transport, I'm going to get some because I'm going to add that to my IPM. It's just going to be considered IPM for us. Add one more. So make that four. Yep. Okay. So I, I highly recommend anybody trying it. And if any of our listeners do try it, please let me know what you think. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Okay, moving on. Now, uh, we talked about silica enzymes and wetting agents. Now the last one is microbiology, your beneficials. And I'm looking for a good product that mixes all three of these. Right now I'm using something that we can get locally. It's called uh, Bush Doctor, and it's by um, Fox Farm. And it's the micro brew, and where'd that come from? 
This one? I, I haven't seen that bottle. I've had this one for a while. Sure. About a month. <laughs> the reason I got this one is it's the one I can find closest to what I want. A lot of uh, of these brews like this are, they don't, they'll have one thing. Like they'll have the bacteria, they'll have the bacillus, or they'll have the uh, trichoderma and not the bacillus, or they'll have the fungi and not. Either or. Yeah, right. They, they make you mix and match. So this one says it's got glomus, uh, the scleroderma, trichoderma, bacillus, and all your fungies. So it's got all three that I look for. And I won't go into much on this except that I'll tell you, trichoderma, it eats the organic matter. It's a lot like the enzymes, but trichoderma are the actual beneficials in the soil that are eating and breaking down that organic material and turning it into than what the plant needs. It's really basic when they say, yeah, this bat guano is 12-8-3. It's got, you know, 12 parts nitrogen to 8 parts, you know, phosphorus, right. 3 parts potassium. So it's easy to say that, but it's not in the form the plants need. So what they're doing is these bacteria are breaking that MPK down into what the plants can actually absorb. Right. And here's the cool part with the bacteria is that it's like a communication thing. The, the root zone, the rhizosome of the, the roots say, hey, I need some of this. The bacteria says, oh, hey, cool, I got some. Here you go. <laughs> and it's, so that's kind of the dealer. exchange. <laughs> yeah, and so it's a food activator. It allows the plants to uptake as many nutrients as it's going to need. It also gives you like a refrigerator full of food. So it buffers your nutrient deficiencies. So if you inoculate with your bacterias or your beneficials, I should say, and you get a good culture in there, your living soil, it's like having refrigerator mouths that are chewing up this food, turning it into something the plant wants, and then storing it and releasing it as the plant needs. Yeah. So if we go away for a week, I'm not fertilizing, you're a lot better off having the microbes in there than nothing else. Right. Yeah. And so that's just that. Now, I've got a little thing on that, and we got just enough time for it. I just want to go, this explains kind of just a little bit more so that you'll understand about the, um, about how the microbes work. Uh, let me bring it up here. And essentially this, most microbes need organic carbon to live. They get this from eating wood chips, leaves, manures, and other organic materials added to the soil. As microbes digest organic matter, they create humus, which increases soil structure, good for root penetration and development. Microbes also get some carbon from the rhizosphere. Now, the rhizosphere, remember, is the area right around the roots. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, because roots give off substances the microbes can use, like sugars and amino acids, and then the microbes convert some of it back in forms the plant can use. So in other words, they work together. Does that? But that's the communication. Yes. This plant says, I need this. And the microbes say, oh, great, I got this. Uh, so some microbes, like some bacteria and blue-green algae, are able to fix nitrogen from air and make it available to plants. Some plants and trees cannot grow if deprived of those microbes. Did you say blue-green algae? Yeah. Isn't that what's in the Lost Creek Lake? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, that just caught my attention. I'm like, wait a second. Aren't we Why not does it have to be just... blue-green? Why, Why can't it be like red? Why can't it be yellow? It. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, go on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just had to... I was wondering about that. 
so those microbes can do things too, like break down contaminants and toxins. There's a lot of research being done about certain microbes that can do that. And that's basically what they call bioremediation, which is taking shit dirt and turning into great dirt with living, you know, bacteria. Right. Um, and then your fungi, there are many garden products available containing beneficial microbes for the soil. Some are in the form of foliar sprays. I don't recommend that. They just, you need it in the dirt. So mm-hmm. the sprays are just a quick bandaid. I, I just use kelp. Uh, you can do homebrewed composts to do spray and drenches. That's the TLO. People probably do that and I'm make sure their own that little mixes. Smell great. Well, I've you gotta smelled cook that it. before. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, you, like I said, foliar sprays are just not enough. You need to have them in the soil available where the mi- microbes can eat. Right. You know, uh, so, um, so leaves, compost, manures, poo, meals, all those things are what you're adding to uh, replenish that source for those microbes. Right. Okay. That they're turning into nutrients. Um, and then you're just trying to keep them alive and working. Uh, I don't think any of the IPM that we've talked about will hurt that soil either. So mm-hmm. I believe that you can use as a directant in your soil for like fungus gnats and stuff yeah. and not hurt those microbes. I wouldn't go nuclear, but <laughs> but you should be able to use the organic stuff. And there is something called um, for, uh, for fungus gnats. Fungus gnats come from overwatering, mm-hmm. sticky traps. I don't even know if I've even mentioned these yet, but that's a staple. Sticky traps on your plants, indoor or out, is good because it, it lets you know what's around flying around. Do not touch the sticky <laughs> traps. Have oh, you God, ever no. stuck your hand on wax by accident? That's basically what it is. It won't let go. It won't let go. No. And then washing your hands, you can continue to try and wash it, but it doesn't come <laughs> off very easy. And I am the type that don't like sticky stuff on my hands. Yeah. yeah. It's, you're right. I'd be careful with that stuff. It's a stuff. pain in the rear, mm. but let me tell you, it's pretty effective. Yeah, and they're cheap. <laughs> they work good, and it lets you know what's going on around your plants. It also keeps control of the the gnats themselves. So if mm-hmm. the adults are flying around trying to lay eggs, they're getting caught on the traps. It's holding them back. Bottom line, though, is what happens is you get you get it from overwatering, and the overwatering is, um, you know, it's hard not to do. That's mm-hmm. why we're using the cocoa this year, to try to avoid that. Using a good airy... Uh, mulch on top we're using the cocoa mulch the cocoa bean top mulch which is very airy and it's very pretty too. it is and i don't really think that those fungus gnats are going to like chilling in those beans and so um the uh idea there is just to keep the fungus gnats at bay and um using sticky traps and uh natural is what i was getting at natural g-n-a-t-r-o-l if you do get fungus gnats that's what you want to use it's a biological it's organic mm-hmm. natural you or you know water right into the dirt and in fact you could use it as ipm you could throw that in your cir- circle have five yeah and just well the natural i'd use pretty much every time just like i would the bacillus thuringiensis so like oh, okay. once a week i'd use it and and again there you go you just don't have to deal with fungus gnats mm-hmm. okay um so uh, basically, the microbes, real fast, getting back to that, they're the workhorses of the garden. Uh, microbes make nutrients in the soil available to plants in the form the plants can use. 
microbes create some of those nutrients and we add the rest with our other you know synthetics or other organics and stuff but um they grow better they're healthier they resist disease better when you here let me tell you this all these molds and mildews and pm powdery mildew stuff like that Mm -hmm. those are little things spores floating in the air yeah yeah and we got a lot of those yeah and uh, (laughs) yeah and the thing is is you can think of you know your molds and your uh, mildews that, that happens in your dirt if you've got a bunch of biologicals in there these microbes mm-hmm. think of it like a hotel if you've got this whole living system of dirt microbes in there you're basically making it to where the pm and those mildews and stuff can't even set up it's like no vacancy sign right you know what i mean like hey sorry there is nowhere to chill here that spore just come by here no vacancy nope. <laughs> get out i'm already here chilling so it does really help with the you know resistance too. It's the bodyguard. Well, yeah, and it's partly insurance too, just like the silica. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the just it's overall it resists stresses better stuff like that. So basically, we have the Kevlar lining. <laughs> yeah. The armor. Yeah. And we have our bodyguard. <laughs> Pretty much. Hey, it's it's good stuff. These are the the mini secrets to growing the dank. This is the insurance that gets you there. If, right. If you want to grow number seven or number eight weed, okay, use a, a two-part system and nothing else. Right. You'll be fine. Just grow a plant that you're good. You'll grow good weed that you can share with your friends and you'll be fine. Right. But if you want to take it to a nine or a 10 and you want to grow some organ weed, some of that West Coast weed, Come on, we're working our way up to being one of the best places to buy yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> you got to you got to add these little extra things and and be in your grow. In fact, one of the best things you can do, the best thing for your grow, is to always have your shadow in it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's really it. That's my my deal. I think you know this has been a good show. What do you think? I think it went pretty well. Yeah, it's been a good night. Yeah, and we've got some good info for you. You know, we talked about what we're doing. We talked about what's going around in the state with the news, and we talked about a few secrets that we use. Well, maybe not secrets, but what you can take, you know, your homegrown weed to an 8 or a 9, hopefully a 10. That might get into some genetics there. But um, (laughs) anyway, okay, so we will uh, have episode 3 coming out next Wednesday. Of course, like we said, we're releasing every Wednesday. If you have any comments right now, it's best to either comment on our YouTube channel mm-hmm. at Oregon Rooted, or you can send us emails. It's uh, higherpeaks at OregonRooted.com. And Lady Sativa at OregonRooted.com. Or, of course, you can just email the show at the dirt show at OregonRooted.com. And send us your comments. Let us know what you'd like to hear about. Questions. Questions that you need answered. Let us know where you're at. Now, I know that, you know, even California, there's still laws against, you know, marijuana. So if you're out there and you're in a prohibition state, please just sign up for an anonymous email through Gmail or something and talk to us that way. Uh, You know what I mean? So you just stay anonymous if that's a concern of yours. Mm -hmm. Um, But until we get the website up, uh, that's the best way to reach us. Uh, you can also, though, reach us on Facebook if you want, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest. What am I missing? I think that's it. Yeah. Facebook Snapchat, and Instagram are the big ones. Snapchat, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so that's it. We'll see you next week. See you next week. We'll